okay, I'll go. Uh, I'm Rafa, which is a name that in English is hard to pronounce. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm an independent designer and developer, I guess. And I'm in Portugal. That's why I have this weird uh, accent. And I'm Kevin Clark. I'm a product designer at Shopify. Um, and I live in the nice uh, Montreal. All right, done. So now <laughs> people now know uh, who you are, at least. Like, they can recognize the voices. Okay, so... Yeah, that's always a weird thing whenever I start listening to a podcast is try to figure out who is who. And at the beginning, it's impossible to tell. And then after you've been listening for a while, you're like, how could I have ever had trouble, like, saying who is who? Because, yeah, it's it's just weird when you... The guys over at the Design Details podcast, uh, especially because they have, every week they have different uh, guests and sometimes more than one. So uh, they recently started doing that, like introducing everyone, uh, just the guests. That kind of makes sense. Right. Because uh, you would have no idea who's who. Yeah. So, okay, now that is done. So we are now an official podcast. Yeah, we're ready to go. Yeah, should we? Uh, what should we start with? I don't know. Uh, what about this uh, medium's new logo, which I think is it's what uh, Twitter is all about. This couple past couple days. What do you What do you think of medium's new logo? Okay, uh, so I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> all right. Um, it's probably not surprising to anyone. Um, so first of all, like. I think that no one likes rebrands. <laughs> There's no, no new logo has been introduced, and everyone's like, "Oh my god! Like this is amazing! Like, it's so much better than the previous one." Um, so, I'd like to preface what I am going to say by that, because um, I, because I think like it's a totally a fair thing to say like, "Oh, like people just don't like change," um, and that's true, and. Sometimes, like, I don't know, like, once you get used to something, then it all makes sense. And, like, you feel like, I don't know, you get used to it and you think it's, it's better. Um, but um, to me, like, the, the way to judge logo is not just by um, your personal preference and, like, which one do you think looks better. Um, the, like, the way to get around that thing where... Um, like it's just change of version. Um, it's to judge the logo by like the own way their their own way that they're framing this logo. The reason that they're saying um, like what were their goals and um, why do they feel like they had to come up with a new logo. Um, so yeah. Um, based on that, uh, I was uh, it was great because they they wrote like a great big piece on what the process of designing this new logo was um, and kind of a bit of the rationale behind it. Um, yeah, so quoting from that, from that article, that, I mean, it all makes 
a lot of sense while you're reading it and you see the whole like all the explorations that it did on the new logo and it all makes sense but then you get to the final result and it's like what happened <laughs> so for their reasoning for changing the logo was that the previous logo the black and white slab serif m right um, and I'm going to quote from the from the post. This uh, while simple, elegant, and strong, this tag M proved rather inflexible as a logo. So that was the the main problem that they had. It's like so far so good. Like right, I right. I think it's it's still somewhat flexible. Like I don't think it's entirely inflexible, but I think it could definitely get more flexible and like have different uses than like just a sole M on its own. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. Um, so yeah, keep going. Okay, so moving on. Um, the logo has begun to feel flat, impenetrable, blunt, and not to be toyed with. Uh, it is also not particularly distinctive either. So in short, our M is no longer captured or conveyed what uh, medium has become. And that's where I start to disagree, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I think the previous like medium logo was perfectly distinct distinctive um it like went back to like the the whole like print roots where it feels like a like m taken from like an old like print magazine um that goes like directly back to like the essence of medium what they're all about quality content and like writing um that is taken from the web uh, from from print and taken to the web um, well, I, I agree that it was not particularly distinctive. Like, if you show that logo to anyone who's not, I mean, e- either familiar with Medium or whatever, uh, it's hard to even. It's just, a, it's just a super classic. It's, it's an M, right? It, there's no style to it. So I agree that it was not particularly distinctive, but I disagree when they say that it it didn't convey what Medium has become because I I always associate a Medium with this. Uh, very tasteful and kind of classical, so that they won't, they didn't do crazy stuff. So it was very classic, classical and and very elegant uh, approach to like their product. That that's what they convey to me. So that M fit perfectly in my opinion. But well, you also do have to take the logo into context. So uh, like maybe in isolation, the M is not extremely distinctive, but um, in contrast with like every other app or like startup, that M was very felt very different from from anything else. Right. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Um, and then there's so that's like one area that they were trying to improve on. Um, and another was uh, making the new logo more flexible. And I think they completely failed at that um like honestly like how how can you say that the new logo is more flexible like i have no idea um the 3d perspective makes it impossible to be displayed in a single color for, for people that 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 listen to this and, and haven't seen the new logo how would you describe the new logo just to give a little bit of some context so imagine like you're tracing an m on like a piece of paper and you're like extruding that like just a thin line in 3d perspective and like rotate the logo like out of like 45 degree angle yeah, it's like an is- isometric grid right yeah 
um and then it has like the like three different uh three or four different shades of of green uh for each pane so the thing is because it, the angle that the m is you basically can't see the the two separate arms of the m if that even makes sense so it kind of if you take it just the outline kind of blends in together yeah if you just take the outline it kind of looks like an N, actually. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't see the three different parts of the M, right? So uh, that is a fail. In a <laughs> I, I don't know what's the official... Like, so at the bottom of the post, they, they show all the different shades of gray and with the green shades. Is that the official final version, the green one? I think so. That's what they're using for the app. But on the website, they're using the grayscale one. Right, right. So yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, and what about that? That uh, the logo with the, those rulers to the uh, mud me. That's all I can the see. The mud me. <laughs> That's exactly what I see. I I don't even understand what any of this is, to be honest. It's kind of like like the the new, like the startup trend to put a bunch of circles to make up your logo. <laughs> But what does it even represent? I. I like I really have no idea. Anyway, like, I really wish someone would explain that to me. This is uh, this is kind of hard to talk about, like on a podcast without any. If you can't see it, it's very hard to talk about it. But yeah. uh, if you haven't, uh, we're gonna link this uh, in the show notes. Take a look at their whole process, which goes excellent, and I kind of like it. some of the explorations that they went for. Uh, kind of funny and interesting. Like um, I like this medium is alive. So you have kind of like the pulse thing, yeah, which makes up an M. So some of them are pretty interesting and fun. I mean, not viable, but fun. So the whole thing is pretty cool. The other ones below too are like some of them are pretty good, right? So everything goes awesome, and then the final result was like, what? <laughs> Didn't you? <laughs> so anywho, and they made a video all freaky uh, acid thing. So. I, I, I think, you, you, if you haven't read this yet, go read it. So there's, there's also like a good, um, a good piece of the article that, to me, is just like design bullshit. <laughs> like, and I mean, I'm as guilty as this as anybody else. Uh, and I'm like trying to be very conscious of not trying to not do that. But so they have this like kind of explanation of their, their new logo. Um, which is, we began to see the four panes of the logo as overlapping strains of a conversation, a conversation whose tone and direction shifts as the pain, as the planes come into contact with each other. And like, seriously, <laughs> like, this is just like trying to impose some sort of meaning onto like whatever, like, you this decided and like has no link whatsoever with like the thing you actually made nobody's gonna see this logo and say like oh yeah i see like a conversation that shifts maybe for <laughs> like for non-designers they they can eat up this like all this mumbo jumbo thing but yeah i mean and i've done this you know created something and then later on try to apply some meaning behind it <laughs> you know uh, but it's obviously what they're doing here i i because this logo it, it tells me nothing yeah and i mean it's i feel like we often feel the need to explain why we did a certain thing because just saying 
like it looks good is not a very defensible position um right because they paid uh, millions or whatever <laughs> yeah well it seemed like an interall thing so probably not <laughs> probably didn't get paid a million but um yeah like i don't know it's and in in like his post introducing medium 2.0 i've just said it like <laughs> i think it's the best description of of this logo um it's like right at the end of his description said and it just looks cool <laughs> and and to me like that's exactly the like thought the thought that went into like driving the decisions for this logo does it look cool yes or no and yeah in in that in that like terms is the new logo cooler than the old the other one yeah i i'd say yes cooler maybe is it better i don't think so i think it's i think it's very different but um yeah i i, I don't think it's necessarily for the better and um I don't know. It it's kind of weird because I respect a lot of the designers that are uh, at Medium, and I think they're generally doing like really amazing work. Um, so I don't know. Maybe there's there's something we're missing. Maybe it's just like the step one into like a um, bigger change uh, at Medium, and um, it all become like clearer once we see the bigger picture. Maybe have they. I know they they've changed the, the typefaces as well. I I didn't find any article on it. Uh yeah, they they had one. Um Yeah, they probably have. I have to read that. Uh and I, I don't want to be all too negative as you as you start a conversation with like people are going to be negative because because change, right? <laughs> right. And I haven't read one positive uh comment on the Medium logo. I mean, you know Pascal, Pasquale da Silva? Yeah. Right? So he posted, is this a joke? That's second most uh, rated comment on, on the article. And I don't want to, I don't want to be all negative and all. So I, as you said, I respect your team. I know they're, they're, they're brilliant designers. They're, they're all brilliant. Uh, I just, I, I just, something's missing for me. Yeah. And, and I think with the same goals, I would have ended up with a very different logo. Like yeah. and I and I'm not saying the the old one was perfect either. I think they could have made like a new logo that was different. Um but that carried that same personality and like achieved the the goals they were trying to achieve. Um and this is this is not an evolution of the logo. This is obviously something completely new from scratch. It's not iterating on on the old one. Yeah. What else? So, did you want to talk about that one um, X thing? Or yeah, I'm yeah. I mean, there's this article. Uh, guess where on Medium from uh, Brad <laughs> Ray Raj Rage. Some uh, I'm sorry, from Brad. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, he made a switch from from uh, Photoshop and Illustrator to Sketch and all, and basically, it's a blog post. Where he explains all of the benefits of designing at one x instead of uh, two or three or whatever, and I just wanted to ask about you. Uh, I want to ask you about this because I changed my opinion a couple of times on this uh, matter. Actually, on Sketchcast a while ago, maybe a year or something ago, um, when the six plus 
the iPhone 6 Plus came out with 3X. So at the time, I was deciding at 2X. It kind of made sense because th- that was the... Basically, my premise was that's the resolution that I'm designing for most of the time, right? So right. Uh, most of our iPhones are now Retina and and we have Retina screens on the Macs and all. So it made sense for me designing at the resolution that they really were. So like pixel per pixel. And when the 6 Plus came out, it kind of messed it all up for me. <laughs> yep. Um, so at the time, I kind of stuck with the 2X. And, you know, like, basically, I was uh, redesigning everything at 3X, making sure everything, just like with Sketch, scale it up uh, 150%. Um, and now, I mean, for a while ago now, I, yeah, I'm just adding everything at 1X. And I, I wanted to... to to ask you what what are you doing you're designing one x or two x or what's your approach to this yep i do one x too um and to me yeah i think because back in the days when i was using photoshop um i you had to do two x um because designing at one x is well i don't know some people do like i'm i think market board does or something uh probably possibly the only one uh but um because <laughs> it just looks awful like i know you can scale everything in photoshop and whatever but um so in in photoshop you had to do 2x to be able to preview it correctly on an iphone as you design um so i had to do that but then uh whenever i made the switch to sketch um sketch is vector based so i was able to just do everything at 1x uh, and for a while, you couldn't do half pixels in Sketch, which was slightly annoying. Uh, but now you can. So yeah, it's it's really awesome. Like n- no matter which screen you put your design, it'll always look good. Um, and yeah, to me, it's such a better way to work because let's say you're doing icons. Um, in theory, they all scale much better than if you have to like make them for for each size. Um, so yeah, it just works better for me. Yeah, uh, I haven't heard a, an argument for designing a 2x in a while, so I guess that's the thing that's the standard that we set up on. Uh, yeah, and I mean, exporting uh, that's the thing if you're designing a 2x, you know, and export a 3x, uh, like you, 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 can't, you can't do it, you get a lot of half pixels. Yeah, we're gonna have half pixels that we have things misaligned, and it's still, I guess, it's still a problem for some. For some with the with a six plus, uh, and that three X, which by the way, so you have a six plus, right? Yeah. Can you tell like, but with the naked eye, can you tell the difference between the three X and the two X screen? Oh yes, you can. Um, the the three X looks worse. It looks worse. It, yeah. Hmm. Um, because it's a it's a fake three X screen. Um, it's basically I don't know. There was this big post when it got released. Uh, and basically, what they're doing, they're they're doing a three X screen, uh, but a three X screen is like bigger than the actual f- size of the phone is. So they're then scaling that down, right, 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 to like fit the the size of the screen. Um, and you can totally see, like, when you're scrolling a table view, like, and, and I mean, you can see, like, from a designer's eye, like, I'm sure ninety nine percent of the people don't see this. Um, but when you like scroll a table view, like the hair lines uh, between each cell, you can see like as you scroll, 
sometimes it gets lighter, sometimes gets it get it gets thicker. Um, so yeah, you have to learn to live with it. But yeah, it, I prefer two X. Yeah, well, here Mike was not right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's in every other way, it's a superior phone. So well, okay, <laughs> give it that. Okay. We're, we're gonna talk about this later. I have some some <laughs> news on that department. Uh, but speaking of tools in Sketch and One X and Three, um, Adobe at Adobe Max, right? That's the name of the event. Yeah, I think so. Um, they've announced uh, a new product called Project Comet, right? Yep. Uh, so, you want to tell us what it was all about? Yeah. Um, so, basically, like, they had a whole, like, YouTube video showing how it works um, and kind of explaining the sort of features that they, they've introduced um, with that. Uh, and it's still in, I think, pre-beta or something. Um, so, it's, it's not out yet. It's arriving in 2016. Yeah. Um, so, but, um, at a glance, like you can really see that it's clearly meant to be a sketch competitor, um, uses a lot of the same principles and same, same ideas, uh, as sketch, um, and same UI almost. Yeah. Very similar. And I mean, I think it's fine. Like if you see a superior UI to the things you're like currently building i think you'd, you'd be almost kind of foolish to just not use it yeah i'm not complaining yeah actually i think from the screenshots i think it looks cleaner than sketch actually i i don't like how um on mac like it looks right i i really th i don't believe these screenshots it it really feels like a web app <laughs> wrapped in like a native wrapper right instead of a fully native Mac app. Right. So to me, it looks worse than Sketch um, in that aspect. But um, it's what's interesting about it is that they sort of made this one app that does um, designing, but also prototyping. And I was wondering what you thought about that. Do you think it makes sense to like group these two, um, two things together? I... Uh... I have no idea. I mean, I have a lot of mixed feelings on this because we, we are seeing a ton of new tools and new approaches to try to solve the same problem, which is uh, right now, as designers, we are all over the place. We are using, there's no one tool for designers, right? And, and it, used to, it used to be that there was Photoshop and that, that was it. Because uh, now, now we have a ton of tools, one for prototyping, one for previewing and sharing one for feedback one for you whatever so I, i i honestly don't know if you can create or if you should create one tool to do everything and everything in a good way um i think you you kind of you may be aiming at your foot when you're trying to solve everything um so project comments for me it's weird that they You know they're not pushing either Photoshop, Illustrator, and they they create a new thing. So they're kind of I don't know how that's going to play out with you know cannibalizing their sales or whatever. Um, it, it, I think it's a good move, but it's weird. Uh, it's something that I wasn't expecting coming from them. Yeah. So going back to like 
grouping, designing, and prototyping together. Um, I think like it, it might work or it might be completely terrible. And I've been like scarred by the big bloated Photoshop. And I'm like, Adobe, like, are you trying to make like a better, <laughs> better design tool by making exactly the same mistakes you've made in Photoshop by like trying to put too many features and too cramming too much stuff into that one interface? Um, so that's definitely something to look out for. Um, but I think it's awesome to see uh, Adobe be being scared. <laughs> They're like that one proves that um sketch is doing amazing work uh and i think adobe has a lot of resources that sketch doesn't have um and i mean they're they're still doing cool stuff in photoshop like um i had a demo the other day of um it's uh i don't know the actual term but it's it's like smart objects but that you can share um across your team Um, and have kind of smart assets uh, that are like leaps and bounds, like way better than than what Sketch offers, and allow you to like collaborate with big teams uh, really easily. So um, I think it's great that they're kind of aiming at solving the design problems and having like the these two companies that are approaching. Um, that same problem from very different angles and that can like push each other um, I mean for me personally the more design tools there is out there the better um, yeah but here's yeah. what I don't like about Adobe and I mean I, I Photoshop is amazing most of their tools they're, they're amazing and Photoshop is what older than me or whatever <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I have a ton of respect for, for, for Adobe but what I don't like it like as a company is Right now they they are they're kind of scared, right? Not really deeply scared, but they they have to move. They they they're not they're not comfortable, and they are going everywhere. They are doing everything. They are trying to. Right now they have what? If you go to Creative Cloud, they have twenty apps or whatever. <laughs> they are everywhere. Their business model is messy. If I want it right now, I want to buy Photoshop. I. I can't buy Photoshop. I, can, I have to buy a subscription for everything. I, I don't even know. that. That's how hard it is. I have no idea. I don't know. Their business model seems, seems simple to me. You pay a flat fee every month and you get the Adobe apps. It's, it's simple. And that's what allows them to do um, great stuff on iOS. The fact that they have that subscription model. Like I could see Project Comet coming to the iPad at some point. Um, why like you can't charge for a i don't know fifty dollar ipad app but you can you can charge for like a ten dollar subscription that gives you the desktop app the ipad app and that sort of stuff um but that's not that's not simple for me so i can't can i pay just for photoshop like a, a subscription just for photoshop I think so. So here's here's the thing. It's I I think it's a bundle. Like you get Lightroom, Photoshop, um, for like ten dollars a month or something. This like is that. this is the difference for me. So I went to Adobe.com, okay, because I want to buy Photoshop, and I see Creative Cloud, Perfectly in Sync, made with Creative Cloud, okay, and I, there's a label that says we have Creative Cloud plans for everyone starting at nine ninety nine month. I guess I'm gonna click there. There's 
four different plans, each one with a drop down to choose apps, I guess. <laughs> and it can pay monthly or annually, that's fine. I have no idea which. Oh, no, there's four different plans for individuals. So if I change to business, there's another two plans students and teachers, another one, schools and universities, and one on one. Anyway. You, you, you see what, I, what I'm trying to, to say? It's, Fair point. It's, it's a mess. And I, I don't know. I don't trust it because they're not focused. It's kind of like Microsoft and, and, and Apple. It's kind of like you had Windows doing Office and doing everything and doing, being all over the place and no compromises. And you have, um, or could buy a MacBook. Well, but okay. So the comparison is very interesting because I think it's, it's pretty accurate, actually. Um, but you know what? Like, uh, Apple announced basically the Surface. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Microsoft announced the MacBook. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's another story. But um, I, I think, like, having Microsoft do... Like, Microsoft did split-screen way before the iPad. And when you look at it, it's basically the same implementation. Um, Except like the Apple one is a bit easier to understand, a bit nicer, in my opinion. But it's really similar, um, like way of of interacting. The keyboard uh, cover came from Microsoft, and Apple like just kind of copied it. Um, so even though um, you're like a fan of one camp or the other, like just having other people in that field is always better even if you're never ever buying products from that other company oh absolutely i want adobe to exist they're they're doing awesome stuff it's just not for me because i don't right connect with it in a way oh yeah and i totally understand that and i mean i don't have any adobe software installed on my machine so like believe me (laughs) i know that um so but yeah i'll be I'll be interested to see how how they do things and how it works when it comes out. Yeah, me too. I mean, we haven't talked about it, but uh, Project Comet is, they're trying to do uh, basically one tool that starts from wireframing, you do the UI, and then it has a prototyping mode, which is something rather simple. Not It's not like a framer thing. It's more like a kind of Envision one. I think, yeah, I think this is like competing with Envision. Right. Yeah, maybe Marvel and and that kind of stuff. So it's basically like connecting very basic transitions and animations. But so that's their 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 vision is having this one tool. You have the prototyping in, I guess UI mode. We we will switch between, which is something that we no one will ever know because we are recording this podcast for like two months <laughs> without releasing it. But we actually talked about this. Um, with the when the principle came out, so I know it's interesting. Uh, uh, I'm gonna keep an eye on it. I I'd love to try it, and I'm just not super sure this is gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, we we have a a Slack channel for uh, like Montreal designers, and my first thought on it is I'll believe it when I try it. <laughs> right, that's pretty much my feeling about it. Is that it looks cool, but you know, it it's easy to fake like some sort of demo that looks impressive, but whenever you're trying it, it's all like the little details of how the interface works that make the big difference. 
So, right. so we'll wait and see. But uh, kudos, yeah. kudos to Adobe for trying and doing something. Yeah, totally. Uh, speaking of another big company, uh, Facebook, they released um, this new page. Uh, it's a um, design resources page, which right now it doesn't have much. Uh, if you go there, <laughs> you have... So you remember the... You remember the Tihan and Lax uh, iOS uh, UI kits or yeah, yeah. GUI, right? So, anywho, so Tihan and Lax, they release um, the, 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 the UI kit for iOS every year. Uh, it's one of the most famous ones, I would say. And it actually came uh, built in uh, as a template in Sketch. That's awesome. They replaced it, eh? What? It's not the Tian and Lax anymore in Sketch. Well, it's not, but I, I'm going to say it's based on, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's not branded now, but I, I think it's the same. Um, don't quote me on this, but I think so. Yeah, Safari crashed on me. Open Chrome? I don't know. What's a Chrome? Okay, anywho. <laughs> um, so, as you know, Facebook acquired Tian and Lax, so, and if you follow... Um, uh, Tihan on 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 Twitter, you know that he's been working on the the UI kit as always. So it was just a matter of time before we see it. And since it's a Facebook employee now, <laughs> of course they release it through Facebook. So they have this new page. It's uh, facebook.github.io/design, which they are sharing uh, some design resources. Right now they only have um, origami. Um, I think they call it diverse device hands, which is like placeholders for people holding iPhones and Android phones. Um, and the new um, graphic uh, user interface thing for iOS, which, if you download it, is the most comprehensive and hardcore <laughs> UI kit that I've seen. I haven't played with it much. But if you download it instead of a sketch file, you download a DMG, so it's a, an installer. And they're doing something pretty pretty smart, which they have, I guess, a script which you double click and it will add these this template to the sketch templates thing. So if you go hmm. on sketch uh, and create new file from template, you will see that this new UI kit there. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And they released two versions. One they call it like a light version, which is just the most common elements. And then you have the well full version whatever which is so massive that on my retina macbook pro 16 gigs of ram it chokes <laughs> it, like trying to scroll through it it kind of chokes so that's awesome there's not much to do it to to say but um that's good of facebook for doing this yeah totally it's i i've definitely used that in the past um because yeah and it speeds things up a lot so kudos to facebook good job uh it's actually a, a thing that we're seeing more and more the design teams at uh, let's say big companies uh getting more public and sharing a lot more you've seen the twitter design accounts right yeah they're doing that and now facebook has this whole thing yeah there's also google design right there's, right yeah there's a bunch yeah that that's that's really cool actually i i love that all the design teams at all these big companies are like doing more and more for the community and sharing back the things they're they're learning 
we need more of that. Your move, Apple. Oh, yeah. Well, they can't, but the other ones can. And, well, also, like, I don't know. It it takes a lot of work. Um, and I kind of understand why not everybody does it. Um, but it's such a great thing for the community to be, like, sharing their resources and things like that. And especially, like, companies like Facebook that... Um, that do so much like they have such a large scale that they have to reinvent a few things and so let's say like they were trying to prototype stuff so they kind of made origami this like huge thing that um no no other like small design team could could build right um so the fact that they're sharing it with everyone is is really awesome that's pretty cool and, and remember that uh Stammy, Stammy's posts on the Twitter video thing. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was amazing. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. But man, that's just so many words. I could never. I don't think I could write that. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know English. <laughs> I couldn't. I wow. Anywho, there's one thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, so we've been like talking more and more about like how we should do everything for mobile and mobile is great and all that sort of stuff and i completely agree um and a lot of people have been like saying like throwing mobile first around in every conversation or blog posts and just say that as it's like it's some kind of like assume thing that oh yeah like we just do everything mobile first here and blah blah blah. um and i i'm like starting to question like the ideas behind mobile first um and i know that's kind of a controversial thing to to be saying but um just bear with me for for a while um so the if we like go back um, like a couple of years ago, everyone was just doing everything on like a desktop and had like you had like these fixed sizes. So like 960 pixel grids and things like that were like super popular. And like this was the size that you designed everything at. Um, and then there came this thing uh, that was like a iPhone and that we sort of had to adapt to design for. And that's where sort of saying like, oh, like let's instead of doing this thing on desktop and then try to adapt it on a phone. Uh, now more and more people are seeing, seeing your things uh, mostly on phones. So let's just do everything on the phone first um, and then worry about desktop later. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of taking the wrong lesson out of um, the world that we live in today. Um, it's like we don't live in a world of just mobile we live in a world where um screen sizes are all over the place so actually designing something solely mobile first is really just setting you up for failure um because you're not considering the other screen sizes and how it adapts to different contexts um and different different mediums so i don't know i it's kind of my gripe with like that sort of saying to me it's like you shouldn't 
prioritize on like any sort of screen size you should try to like when you're designing design your things for all different screen size at, sizes at the same time does that make sense like instead of going like oh we're gonna design this for mobile and then like like retrofit it to fit other screens it's more a like screen size independence and saying like okay this is my component that i'm designing and how does this adapt to like a laptop to a tablet uh, to a desktop or even a tv now um and i think that's the the whole point of it is that we shouldn't start designing things by like caring about a specific size we should do design things that can adapt to these different mediums sure <laughs> but i mean this is mobile first not mobile only right so i mean and you probably see this on startups like companies just starting it's probably their first product so they have to do some compromises they can't they don't have the money to build an app or a product and, and put it in every platform every screen size every whatever so the thing is mobile first is if we have to start somewhere, if we have to 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 ship our MVP, uh, the thing with mobile first is because that's where the people are, that's where the audience is. Everyone has a smartphone, and not only has everyone has a smartphone, but everyone is on a smartphone like all day long. Which um, it wasn't the case before the iPhone and and before the, the whole smartphone revolution started. So the thing with mobile first is. Uh, if you, as the name says, like mobile first, so if you're going to start somewhere, um, I think it makes a lot of sense to start on smartphones in either Android or iOS or whatever. Um, not only that's the biggest market share in the growing market, uh, but you have a lot of um, things that you can't do on, let's say, a desktop, like on a computer, because let's, let's take Instagram, right? Instagram. Uh, very famously was uh, iOS app, not even iOS, I iPhone only for most of its time. And you couldn't really do that in any other platform. I mean, I guess you could do it on Android, but it was on the one device connected uh, all the time and you had a camera and, and it was in your pocket. So the thing with the best camera is the one you have with you. So you had this uh, on the best camera possible. So for Instagram, it was perfect. Let's take a Snapchat. You can't, you couldn't do that anywhere else, really. So I think uh, I'm either missing your point or yeah. Well, I'm so I'm I'm more talking about like one. So I don't. I come from the perspective of let let's let's assume you're successful. You already have products and like the thing you're you're designing for um makes sense across all screens like all devices um and at that point like and i i think where we're going is not necessarily just aiming for like one specific device at a time like apple is making like big moves into making it um harder and harder to like just have an iphone or just have an ipad app um because even with just the iphone you need to 
like work with different size screen for iPhone. Um, and then at this point, it's, it's not that much work to make it work on the iPad. Um, and you see a lot, a, a lot of apps like, um, I don't know, like the Twitter app for iPad right now, um, I think is a great example of, of that. It's, it's clearly a mobile first design, right? It's, it's just taking the, the iPhone app design and blowing it up to the big screen. Right. And I think that's kind of a pitfall of going with mobile first and then kind of like shoehorning that design into a different screen. Uh, and I think, and I'm sure a lot of designers at Twitter would agree with this. Um, like if they would have to kind of like start over and like from that point on, um, they would totally consider iPad and iPhone at the same t- at the same time and kind of like design for both of these platforms together um, to make a cohesive experience that works across these two different devices, but that take advantage of the the things that two like screen sizes have to offer. So basically, what you're saying, and if so, I agree, is that we should start designing with no screen like with constraints right design yeah, exactly. a thing with no no windows no barriers so even i mean basically it's taking the thing with responsive design and apply it to responsive design everywhere not just web yeah um, that that's exactly what i mean yeah man that yeah i agree i mean back in the day when we had like one iphone <laughs> it, and it was something that we uh, would would go crazy about it, and we would say like, as opposed to Android, which had a gazillion different screen widths and screen sizes, right? So, and the iPhone was the only one. And even now, Apple has what like five or six or whatever different um, different screen sizes. I mean, going from iPad and iPhone, and also iPad Pro, and especially with the with the iPad. Uh, how do you call it the split screen view yeah so basically you can have how does that work you have like fixed uh widths that you can so you have full width you have uh two-thirds one-third and you have half half oh, okay so it's not it's not really like responsive it doesn't adapt you have those defined widths right yes but like i mean if you're going to be designing an app and just do like treat every one of them as like their own like separate little island like you're gonna be duplicating a lot of stuff because the like one third of the screen shares a lot shares pretty much everything um that your iphone app does um and and then there's like kind of the middle point that's kind of awkward right now uh where it's like sometimes it gets some of the mobile features uh, mixed with some of the iPad fe- features, and then you ha- get the full full version. Um, so I don't know. Like my my thing is just try to avoid having another point where we say like, like what's next after mobile first? Like let's say the next big th- thing that everybody has and that we all have to design for is a watch. Then it will be like in I don't know in like three or four years. It's like oh now we have to do everything watch first. Well, no, like, let's, let's just, like, settle this for right now. Like, let's not think of our design as being this this thing that is 
at a fixed like width and height and let's just think of it as something that can take any shape of or form i agree and i i think that's the way we're going but you know what it's hard it's <laughs> it's very hard to do and even the tools that we have they they are not they, they're not helping in that matter so right yeah take sketch or whatever i think the perfect tool would be something with kind of like auto layout thing you know you can adapt the canvas basically yeah yeah definitely um have you seen this there's this uh, sketch plugin which basically has some kind of like auto layout i have seen it but i didn't have the time to play with it yeah me neither kind of <laughs> i saw a demo and i was like this seems too good to be true but i didn't i didn't really look into it more than that okay so um found it it's called sketch constraints i'm gonna link it in the show notes basically you take an element um or like two layers for example and you say instead of giving them a like a fixed width and height you basically set constraints kind of like our layout for example this is 20 pixels uh from the top and aligned vertically for example yeah with a minimum height of X. And then if you change the, the artboard size, uh, the thing will refresh and update it with those constraints. Do you have to like rerun like a keyboard shortcut or something to have it refresh? Uh, yeah, you press uh, Command L, basically, and it will automatically update the layout. So, pretty easy. Yeah, what, what I really want is... Um, a, a tool that works like um, the Apple Watch interface builder yeah. thing. The WK interface group is like so awesome for, for doing anything. I don't know if you've played with it. Yeah, so um, we can, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Um, I'm like in my spare time, I'm w- working on a watch app. Um, a weather app for Apple Watch. Um, and so I was, was playing a lot with like interface builder and like designing all of that. Um, and it's a lot. It, there, I, at first I thought it was the same as for the phone, um, but it, it's actually different. So it's, it's kind of technical, so I don't know how well it's going to come out as like an audio podcast, but um, Basically, you can you have these groups, and within the group, you can say like, okay, I want this item to be left aligned. I want this item to be, I don't know, centered. I want this item to be to like be able to grow to that size. Um, and it's like just really easy to align everything the way you want without having to deal with um, like things because. Ha- if you do on iOS like a, a a stack view, things always have to take up the full width of the thing that the container that you have. Um, but on the Apple Watch, you can just say it like tell it, okay, no matter what, like I just want this to be like center aligned into like the parent container, and it just works and like takes the size that it needs to instead of having to like scale to fill in that container. Um, and I don't know, it's just like a really easy to, way to lay out anything. And I I encourage a lot of designers to just go and try it because it's super easy. It 
it works it basically works like sketch honestly like you just drag your elements around you can like change the text change the images um lay out your interface um and see how it works for um the larger watch and the smaller watch um and then you have kind of all your properties on the right and it's really easy to add kind of breakpoints for like different size classes and say like oh like small on a small watch i want instead of having my things like stacked i want them to be like i don't know like on on different lines or whatever um so yeah it's pretty cool but it's pretty it's pretty limited um but but i uh, yeah I, I agree that you should if you're a designer you should if you haven't uh play with with xcode um more and more i actually prefer if i'm building like an ios app or something uh i prefer to design directly there you know create my assets and all on sketch and stuff but when it comes to actually layout i i think doing it uh, with the with the storyboards it's yeah it's pretty easy and pretty awesome because what you see what you get i mean um it's actually you're building it for real it it's it's like they built a really awesome engine and they they probably will never do it but if apple were serious and like we were talking like all the big companies are doing it except apple um but if they were serious about like just making design tools um they could like just rip out the interface builder stuff put it into its own app and have like a really good design app i don't think they would they're going to do that if 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 they would do something it would just be you know, keep on working on interface builder and not creating a separate app, but just let designers work directly in Xcode. Well, if they just fix the stupid uh, like version control with storyboards, so I can actually use Git, um, that would be amazing. Please. <laughs> yeah, I think you're asking for too much. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because storyboards is just like a huge XML yeah. file. And it's messy. Yeah, whenever I commit stuff, when I'm working on apps and stuff, it's just like a bunch of changes. <laughs> yeah, there's like, no good way to do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I kind of talked a little bit about it, but um, I thought I might be interesting to talk about um, why I built my uh, weather app for, for Apple Watch. All right. Uh, I would like to hear that. I have some things to but i'll talk to you later <laughs> never mind go ahead so why are you building a, an apple watch weather app all right so every day i i wake up in the morning first thing i do is like put on my watch and check the weather to decide like how am i gonna get dressed <laughs> this morning because in montreal the weather changes a lot uh day to day um so that affects the way you have to dress in the morning um we're not like living in California where weather is like always the same and all that stuff. But um, so I have to check the weather in the morning first thing first. Um, and uh, the watch is great for that. Um, like you can just have the complication uh, and see it directly. But what I like to know often is like what's the warmest point in the day and sort of know like the kind of overall uh what the overall weather is going to be during the day um so i started doing that uh as soon as i as i got the watch um like 
feels a lot natural. Before that, I was checking my iPhone, but then I have to like open my iPhone, find the app, tap the app. Like I don't know, it it adds up. Um, so and especially that I like kind of wake up as late as I possibly can. <laughs> um, so every second matters. Uh, um, and I don't know if you've used it, the Apple Watch weather app, like the stock one, is completely ridiculous. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, it's pretty weird. So if you haven't, basically imagine like the the Apple Watch, and in the middle you have kind of this circle dial thing um, that has like the daily weather around the circle, um, but it only shows let's say the temperature um so you have like temperature for like every hour and then uh you yeah in the middle is just like degrees celsius for me because it's like ridiculous um so it's like it's i don't know it's just terrible like you have to tap on the screen to be able to see like is it gonna be sunny is it gonna rain um and you can't like see these two things together you can't see like oh it's gonna be like i don't know 20 degrees and sunny outside um in order to do that you have to like tap twice on your screen to like cycle what it does is cycle between like the condition the uh percentage rain and the temperature i didn't i didn't know you you could tap i I was force touching it that's you can also force touch which is annoying it has a change Basically, it's very complicated, and you can't see like everything at a glance. That's yeah. kind of weird. And the uh, the complication on the watch face is just the temperature, right? Yeah, which is also kind of silly. Like for me, condition like if it's gonna be sunny or it's gonna rain is also super important information to know. Um, so I decided like. You know what? The best way, because my first idea was to just complain on Twitter, because um, that's what I do. But um, my my second thought was, you know what? Like the best way to complain about something is just to make something. Um, so I decided, you know what? Like I'm just gonna design my own weather app and build it and see how it works, and then I'll have like a solution for for myself um that i can use and other people can use too so um how did that go <laughs> that went like it the apple watch is a really fun device to design for i find yeah um there's a lot of kind of design constraints of the small screen and there's also like a, a lot of there's a lot of restrictions but then there's a lot of flexibility in other areas so you have to try to kind of work within the system and kind of add like little bits and pieces of personality throughout your interface. Um, and there's a bunch of things that um, you can't do on on like a larger screen device, like an iPhone or things like that. Like you can you take advantage of the Taptic engine. Um, you can uh, have like rich interactive notifications. They're awesome. Um, and the like my thought like the the reason why i wanted to to do this is this is the ideal type of app for apple watch it you only use it for a short amount of time um 
there's no user input because these are all terrible. Um, and um, it's very valuable to have that information on directly on your watch face. Uh, so you can like just look at a glance and see what the weather is. And if you want more information, it's just one tap, get to the app, see the full weather information, and you can get out. So it was kind of the perfect, uh, perfect app for that device. Um, and yeah, the process of designing was awesome. Uh, really cool, really fun. Um, the process of building is also mostly fun. Um, like I was saying, Interface Builder is really great. Um, it was pretty easy. I, I used the forecast.io uh, API to get the weather. So it's like really accurate weather. Um, and what's nice about it is that you get kind of a text description of like the full day. Mm-hmm. So it'll say like sunny in the morning, but uh, it's going to have like light rain in the afternoon or things like that. Um, and the part that kind of sucks is debugging. Um, so at some point, for some reason, uh, my app just crashed on launch on my device. Could not figure out why. And there, there's no good way to debug things on on a specific device. Yeah, it's pretty weird. It worked fine in the in the simulator. Oh yeah, on device it just crashed. So I'm like, uh, I don't know. So what I had to happened do, to me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I kind of like had to comment out some pieces of code, try to figure out like what's wrong with it, and great point. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just like debugging an Apple Watch app is just horrible. Um, but apart from that, is it's a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, really enjoyed it, and it's now in beta. So if anyone's interested, uh, just let me know, and uh, I'll I'll invite you to the beta. Yeah, drop Kevin a DM on Twitter. Yep. All right, cool stuff. So so that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, and it's looking awesome. Got some dribble posts already. Thanks. So people can take a look. Yeah, I I got a few people that were that were interested in like giving me feedback and stuff. So that was awesome. Yeah, looks awesome. Thanks. Did you want to talk about your new phone? Oh uh, yeah, I got a new phone. Um, <laughs> me. You and, caved in. Me and uh, I guess Federico Vitici knows the pain. So actually, uh, yesterday was. Oh, you didn't get launch day. What? You don't get your uh, launch day iPhones. Is that it? Uh, the launch or... day here was uh, yesterday. So we're recording this on Saturday. Oh. So it was Friday. Right. Uh, October 9th. So, uh, I uh, we we couldn't pre-order right, like officially, um, because we don't have official Apple stores here. So we have some premium resellers. So I was checking those out, and I didn't want to order them online because I didn't know how long it would take for them to ship it to my house. Right, and I wanted on day one. So, <laughs> so I heard that there was this one store. Uh, that they would do a a midnight uh, opening thing. They would open the stores at midnight and sell them. Okay. But you have to go, you have to stay online, in line for <laughs> a lot of hours. I don't want to be that guy. Nothing against <laughs> the, those people, but I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be that guy. So I found a store, basically. Who has time for that? What? 
Who has time for that? Right. Well, I did. But <laughs> <laughs> so I found this premium reseller, which uh, the day before, so on Thursday, I went there and I basically I could uh, order like pay for one and I could pick it up uh, the next morning. So I did that. So I got a 5S Space Gray 64 gigs. Uh, I had the exact same model, but the six. So that's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it looks the same, whatever. They look, yeah. Um, my girlfriend, on the other hand, she she was rocking a 5S and she got a 6S Plus. So, oh, geez, that's a huge upgrade. Yeah, that was, that's uh, still, uh, like, I, I've seen the, the 6 Plus and I've been, I've played with one, like, in stores and some friends had it, but I haven't had one, like, in my house that I could actually like spend right. some proper time with it. Yeah. And do you want to steal uh, her phone now? I don't, I no. but <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we you know when you, when you, when you have a six or a six plus or whatever, and then you pick up a five or five S and it's like, Oh man, it feels so good in your hand, but it's so small. Like God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, well you, okay. So I don't know if you've tried this, but like just use her phone for I don't know half an hour, and then take your phone again. Yeah, that happened like, already. It's the same effect. You're like, holy shit, this is so small, so tiny. What yeah. is this? And that you can do like the jump from like six plus to six to five, and be like, holy crap. But then, like, how far can we go? Like, if <laughs> if there's a iPhone seven plus plus or X plus, <laughs> it's like like the size of an iPad mini. Like, how far can we go? Like, until iPhone iPhone Square. <laughs> when are you gonna say like, nope, that's too big? Because I I I, I say that to, for for the for the plus. Like, that's too big for me. That's for me. It's ridiculous, ridiculously big. It's it's not even funny. But when you actually are playing with one, it's like, huh. I'm like, I think this could get a little bigger. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so I, I now I I kind of purposely not I don't I'm not touching my girlfriend's phone because I, I don't want to I don't want to have regrets in my life, man. And I don't want to. Mike was right. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I love Mike, but I, I I'm playing for the other team. So apart from that, so the 5s it's pretty 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 cool phone. So how's force touch? You mean 3D touch? <laughs> oh yeah, right. Um, you know what? The 3D touch was the most interesting new feature for me, and it's it's very cool. I'm just even like okay, I'm a nerd and I'm I'm a geek and I've read every single word on the like Apple.com iPhone 6s page, right? So I've I I'm pretty confident that i'm aware of everything that has been written about this and still yeah. like i don't remember what actually i can 3d touch like okay so right. i know there's the shortcuts on the home screen like app icons but i don't know like i don't remember exactly which features there are so if i'm not actually thinking about it i will just open the the app as i usually do and there's still a lot of stuff that I don't remember that I can force touch, uh, 3D touch on. 
And if I'm like that, I can only imagine like um, normal people, right? Yeah. Because there's, apart from a tips app, <laughs> there's God. a little banner that says, learn more about the 3D touch. Apart from that... I just got one recently. Uh, like, what? <laughs> yeah. Apart from that, there's no... Like, you wouldn't know that you could 3D touch on this. There's no indication. There's no little icon. There's nothing. So... But do you think it's a matter of just, like, when most apps are going to have it, then you'll just assume that, that all apps support it? I mean... So let's say Facebook, okay? It's it's like the most used app, right? And on the keynote, when Apple announced the 5S, they showcase like Facebook as an example of you could uh, 3D touch to like quickly check in or update your status or whatever. Uh, it's still, it isn't updated yet. So you, you can't force touch on the Facebook app yet. So when they do, uh, <laughs> I think people people don't read the 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 release notes, right? Oh and, no! And and I doubt that Facebook is gonna do an in-app uh, tutorial or tip or whatever about that. And I don't think they should, right? To be honest. So again, I don't I don't think people will know about it. Uh, so I mean, eventually. Maybe I mean the, the, I think the, the the thing that could drive the most of the basically people being aware that you can force touch on something there I can three D touch whatever uh, is the live photos thing because that's uh, I believe that's going to be the feature that uh, people will be most interested in I guess right yeah right it kind of changes everything in a way I don't want to be that cliche it changes everything but. Um, that can be pretty cool. And there's a side of discoverability aspect to it, which when you're just flickering, like browsing through the photos, they very subtly animate like half a second or something. Um, so that even if you never heard about live photos, you see that, wait a minute, this thing moved. So... It, yeah, it, it's weird though that live photos are only activated by force touching. Feels like could be a button like you could have a play button somewhere no let, let them play with it let them it work just fine no, no they have in my opinion they this is awesome like in my opinion this is like pretty it's pretty great you have a whole new layer of interaction with smartphones and that's that's huge in my opinion so okay so you think it you think it's not very discoverable but once you know it's there then it's awesome maybe i had a phone for a day so it's not <laughs> it's not part of my day-to-day -day usage yet. Right. So right. I can't say at this stage, but what, I, what I'm trying to say is this is a whole new interaction, a new layer of interaction with smartphones. Um, and Apple can't force this down users' throats, right? So it has to gradually, gradually educate people that you can do it. And... You know what? I believe that Apple has a ton of new ideas to use 3D Touch on, but they can't. They can't go crazy. So, what they did with with the first iteration of this new technology is, okay, shortcuts on the home screen, the thing with pop and peak, that can be cool, and uh, live photos. So that's 
it, it it's it's very small number of interactions yet uh but i think that's how you should do it you, you should gradually educate people about this and the thing is if my mom bought this phone right now she wouldn't even realize uh, she wouldn't never use it yeah and that's fine like that that's what i like about the feature is that if you don't want to use it and you don't care you don't have to know about it like it doesn't have, it doesn't make the experience of using the phone worse for now i think that's the way it should be <laughs> for now in a couple of years yeah. i think we should be able to to rely on it i mean to to build new stuff i mean even on the apple watch if you never force touch it that <laughs> sounds so weird uh you would never be able to change your watch face for example right so that that's something right. that yeah. even though it's not very discoverable if you if you never heard of it uh it's something that is it's crucial of the the way you interact with the with the device uh, and the on the iPhone it's not yet I, i guess you could make a case for the live photos thing but um so wait if uh on the phone it's called 3d touch because there's like two le three levels of pressure is it 2d touch on the apple watch i think that because there's like only two levels i think they, they're going to rename it to 3d touch on the watch i think that they, they came up with a force touch thing and it was a pretty bad idea because it sounds really bad uh, even on the keynote uh they sometimes said force touch instead of 3d touch well i guess you could make a case for on the iphone so on 3d touch um it's like position uh, how i'm gonna say it like you can 3d touch on different parts of the screen and on the apple watch you can't it's just on the, yeah. the whole screen itself it doesn't track where you are force touching it if that even makes sense yeah but uh, no I, i think i think that's just marketing and they're gonna rename it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah probably if they if they call it 2d touch i called it here first <laughs> yeah already first um so but do you do you think it's faster like using the app shortcuts for for the apps that do support it yeah is it worth it for you uh again i've been uh, i have the phone for a day uh i want to tell you one that probably it's not um most interesting one but on the app store if you 3d touch it you can directly go to search and basically i use the app store app okay. to either search for an app or to update apps that's it i don't browse the store you don't have uh, auto update i do but i still like to check the the, the oh, okay. notes and all. Right. so the camera thing that's cool uh oh that's a big one when, when you when you're taking pictures when you have the camera app open You take pictures and you get the thumbnails on the left uh, bottom corner, right? To check the photos that you just took. Yeah. Uh, instead of opening that and then you, you have to press done to, you know, dismiss it and go back to the camera, to the shutter. Uh, now you can mm -hmm. 3D touch on that, on those little thumbnails and just while touching, you can preview all the photos that just you have taken. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Huh, that sounds neat. Yeah. Uh, what else? There's not a lot of third-party apps. How about the peek and pop? Is that? Oh man, have you found like a real use for it? No. Or I mean, maybe when you're in Safari and you want to check like a link. Does it does it work for like any URL anywhere in, in the system, or well, do apps have to build in support for that? I don't know. Where can I test that? So on messages, yeah, on mail. I don't know. Sure. Let's say you're in Tweetbot okay. and you force touch a link. Nope. Okay. It doesn't work. I guess I have to 
Tepots people have to update it. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So I got a chance to play with it. Um, a coworker got it on on launch day. So I yeah, I got to try it. I I have to say I kind of changed my mind about it. From what? <laughs> so, uh, well, I was I I wrote um, that it felt like a solution that was looking for a problem. You mean a three D touch? Uh, yeah. So and playing with it, like it does make sense for a few things. Right. It's I I don't think it's revolutionary yet, but um. Now, like, <laughs> it's funny because I, I was like then using my own phone, and I'm like, kind of wish I could force touch on this. <laughs> um, like the just force touching, uh, 3D touching, whatever. Um, a link and getting the preview sounds really cool to me. Um, because sometimes I don't know you're on Twitter or whatever. Um, you just want to see what this link is about. Um, and like just like tapping on the link seeing like oh it's a stupid gif or whatever or i don't know um and like releasing your finger and you're done like that seems to me that it would be an improvement in like my browsing experience um there's also i learned about the the keyboard thing have you tried that yeah the trackpad thing yeah that's like such a clever way to do it yeah and you know what on first beta of ios 9 you could do that on uh, iphone 6 as well like on older well you had to use two fingers yeah two finger swipe but like right now with uh, the new iphone basically you um tap hard on the keyboard once for uh selection and then you can like move move your finger around uh and kind of use the keyboard as a trackpad and if you press deeper than that then it enters selection mode. Um, so it's kind of like with one like swipe of your finger, you can like move the cursor around, select what you want, and then release, um, and then like hit copy or delete or whatever. Like that's awesome. You can't do that. I'm trying to. I don't know. Uh, Penzarino had a demo of it oh, yeah? uh, on Twitter. So so I I, I, I didn't try it myself. I 3D touch it and I get into the you know moving the cursor around. Yeah. Right. And press harder than. Oh my god, yeah. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, th- that's that's so cool. Um, so yeah, I kind of like turned around on this one. It, and I, what helped also is I read that uh, Bloomberg piece on uh, how they developed First Touch. And there is like a a great passage where they say that basically force touch isn't really about um kind of the actual technology really it's more about trying to understand your intention whenever you're you're doing something so if you like tap on something kind of lightly well it's like harder than like a real tap but if you like push um then we kind of the system knows that you just want it kind of a quick preview and if you push deeper then we can like understand that oh you want to see more context on that thing right. it's not it's not based on pressure levels it's relative levels right right exactly and 
in theory, that same principle, like they want to try to make the phone smarter by trying to understand, okay, whenever you're tapping on something, what do you want? Um, and right now the implementation is by pressure level. But in theory, it could be anything else. Like if the phone suddenly got better and could read your mind, then like you wouldn't have to like like 3D touch on something. Uh, but it would still have that same same way of trying to understand what do you mean when you're when you're pressing on something that i think is really smart um so yeah looking forward to it and seeing it on more devices than the iphone um and yeah getting to play with it yeah it's kind of weird that we the ipad pro doesn't have it yeah i mean usually iphone gets all the new features yeah i think it's harder um to do on the ipad because the screen is a lot bigger yeah um <laughs> just a bigger component but i'm assuming i'm assuming next version is gonna have it it's it's a new uh touch id yeah the touch id is crazy i mean it's <coughs> you've heard all about it basically it's so fast that you can't you can't take a look at the lock screen anymore <laughs> yeah have you found that to be a problem or a couple of times yeah a couple of times that is just I, my phone vibrates and I, I usually the way I do it is I press with my thumb I just quickly tap on the home button to see the notifications and yeah <laughs> I'm in <laughs> uh, but it, it's fine I mean it's 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 really not a problem yeah I I think the way they could solve it is um, the same way like when you raise your wrist your watch turns on I think when you raise your phone your your screen should turn on yeah but battery. Right. Uh, I don't know. Like, I I don't think it's that big of an issue because when it's in your pocket, it it can detect that and not turn on the screen. That's how they do it. Like, when it, whenever you get a notification, if your phone is just like lying flat on a table, the screen's gonna light up automatically. Um, but if it's in your pocket, it won't because it detects that it's in like I don't know the dark interface like it uses the proximity sensor that you use when you're talking on a phone but but if you have your your phone on a table the screen facing up and you get a notification if you have your watch the phone it, it won't light up the screen right 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 but like let's say uh i get a notification on my watch it's like i don't know a twitter dm or whatever and i want to reply then i have to pull out my phone and in order to do that i need to like just see the notification i can like reply directly there on my phone so like pulling out the phone out of my pocket should automatically turn on the screen and i can do whatever there yeah i don't know i think would totally solve the problem of like people wanting to look at the look at the screen or you can do what uh, most of the androids do that if you touch on the screen it will light up uh yeah i don't know i I'm not a fan of that. Oh. Seems weird to touch like an. Well, I don't know. The the watch does it, so I guess it's not fine. It's fine, but um, yeah, yeah. It always seems weird to me pressing like on a screen that's off to like make it do something. Yeah, there was this. Uh, you heard about the OnePlus Two, right? Uh, no. Oh. What does it do? It's a. Phone. Well, I've heard of it, <laughs> but I don't care. Oh right. Well, it's it's awesome that phone actually. And a friend of mine got it. Uh, so I was playing with it, and it has this feature. I, I guess other Android phones have it. It's not exclusive of the, of the OnePlus. But if you basically feel like, like you draw a V shape right on a screen, uh, and the screen is off, right? 
if you draw a V shape, it will like turn on the flashlight. <laughs> and if you draw another shape on a screen while it's off, it opens up the camera or something. That was mm. so weird, but kind of cool. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. I would freak out to know that my screen is always like receptive, so on in a way. Yeah. <laughs> it would freak yeah. me out. But yeah, I don't know. So cool. Do you uh do you find it heavier? Uh yeah. I I don't I don't feel the some people saying that it's it's less sleepier. It's, it's um uh, Yeah, I think that's just a new feeling of a new phone. Yeah, I guess so. I I could I can't tell. For me it's just, it's a little bit heavier a little bit um but apart from that looks exactly like the other one like the six <laughs> um my girlfriend uh i i, I bought a um, it's not a silicon case so the official apple case they have leather in the other material i think it's silicon or whatever unapologetic yeah something <laughs> um that is actually like super grippy, right? <laughs> that is, if you if your phone is slipping out of your hand, buy that case, way even more than, than the leather ones. I had a leather one on the when I had a five S. I guess it's the same material from the, the current ones. I don't know, but that one is like, yeah, it goes nowhere. It's like it's stuck to your hand. <laughs> so that's cool. Do you use a Do you use a case on your phone right now? I don't. Okay, cool. Couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. We can be friends. Then. All right. Digital high fives. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I, oh, I, it's just another thing on a new phone. Have you have you listened to the um, latest upgrade uh, episode with Jason Snell and, and Mike? Yep. So they they were talking about the whole uh, migration, the whole upgrade workflow process. And process. Yeah, upgrade process. Yeah. Basically, when you buy a new phone, you're gonna you want you want your old stuff, old data back. Yeah. So I. I usually don't do like fresh installs either on my Mac or my iPhone. I usually don't do them, but I don't know. I, w- I wanted to do it this time because um, uh, I wanted to, fr- to start fresh. But of course, I don't want to like lose everything. And iCloud does a good job with that. So, uh, you know, contacts and email accounts and all that uh, and photos and music, that's fine. But all of your health data that, that you have, especially, you know, tracked by the watch, uh, all of the badges uh, that you have on your watch for activity and all that. The only way to to transfer that information is if you do an encrypted iTunes backup. And if I did that, I would move all of that data as well as a lot of data that I don't want. <laughs> so, so I decided to start fresh. Right. That means that uh, I had to first uh, unpair the watch with my old phone. Which will basically lose everything, right? Lose everything. It will wipe your watch, and even if you do an iCloud uh, backup, I don't think I might be wrong, but I don't think all of the all that Apple Watch data transfers back. I don't know. I don't know if you know about this. No, I have no idea. I've I've never done it, so not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you you won't be able to get that data back. So. It was pretty scary. So you wipe your watch, uh, and then you start the new thing, new phone, set up as new. Um, you enter your iCloud password a gazillion times, uh, yeah. literally. Well, more than thirty in that what? day. More than thirty. More than thirty. I'm not exaggerating. 
No problem. That's ridiculous. Why? Throughout the whole day. I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea why. Like, okay, I set it up Touch ID. Uh, you can make a safe bet that, <laughs> you know, the phone wasn't stolen in the last 30 seconds. So just save that password somewhere or at least ask me for my touch id and not the password uh that would that would make things better but still i i think because the rationale they had um when they first introduced touch id was that if you never ask for the password people will forget it no i mean i guess that's fine when people like are getting used to touch id but now like they need to revisit that decision i enter my password way too often that's bullcrap. Yeah. I mean, how many times do I type the, my Google password? I don't even know my Google password. It's on one password somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, it actually it says something. The fact that I use one password and my Apple ID uh, password is like the one out of three passwords that I know. Right. Um, it's because it, it asks me all the time. Like, all the time. So, anywho... I set it up as a new phone. My watch is clean. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about losing all my activity thing. Uh, that sucks. Like they need to fix that. I hope people they make do. a big like thing out of it. Because yeah, it's it's nuts. How like how could you just erase all my my health data? I mean, especially now with WatchOS two, if if you can install apps locally. How the hell can't you like keep data on the watch yeah. and you know pair it with different devices? I mean, one device at a time. I, I, I can, that makes sense. I'm okay with that. But you know, don't wipe it all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. And so. And even like even your um, touch ID prints and the I don't know the your saved cars or things like that i feel like they could have some sort of way that i don't know like you could like just put my phones next to each other or whatever and like don't like send it to like the network or anything but like just transfer it over like i don't know bluetooth or some sort of secure thing that just goes from one phone to the other nfc or nfc or whatever that's the answer like yeah yeah, because I, I, I get it why they don't store it like on an iCloud backup, you know, your fingerprints or even your health data because, you know, it's sensitive information, so they want to have nothing to do with it. So that data is yeah. only on the device. It goes nowhere, basically. Yeah, but, but, but it's fine. Like, just find a way f- to communicate from one phone to the other. Yeah, I mean, NFC has to be the answer. I mean, they only use uh, NFC for Apple Pay. Yeah, and I guess you could argue that's a secure, um, you know, protocol to transfer that. Data. I'm going to assume right. if they yeah. use that for payments, it has to be secure, right? Yeah, I, I don't know the technical details on it, but Android devices have NFC for a lot longer than 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 iPhones has, and you know, third party apps can use NFC as a way to transfer photos or transfer whatever, you know, kind of like Bluetooth in the old days. I don't know if you used to do that when you had old Nokia's way before the iPhone. You use like infrared and Bluetooth to transfer ringtones. <laughs> that was something uh, that, or photos. Yeah, I, I think I might have done that. Yeah, I could do that before. And with iPhone, uh, I never was able to transfer a photo via Bluetooth. 
now I guess we have airdrop or yeah, whatever. That so, always anyway. works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's dark magic. Anyway, um, how awesome would it be when you get a new phone? Um, you you put your phone, you know, on top or close to your old phone. You have a new option somewhere that says uh, transfer from old phone. Yeah. And through NFC, I don't know the, the speeds of data transfer that you could achieve, but uh, I would be okay if... Imagine this, all right? You... Okay, this is, this is asking too much. But you have... <laughs> you, have uh, you buy a new phone. You take it out of the box, and it says, put your old phone inside the box. <laughs> you close the box and put a new phone in, like on top of the box, and it would do all of that fancy transfer. It would take, I don't know, like five minutes or whatever. I would be okay with having to wait a couple of minutes. And done. A perfect clone of your old phone. Yeah. yeah. They have to totally want be that. thinking of this. I don't think it's going to take five minutes. I think it's going to take way more than that. But yeah. Yeah. All right. That's so let's pattern. Done. Uh, okay. Solved it. Done. <laughs> but even, even like their um, like initial phone setup process is incredibly long and boring and yeah. weird. Like someone has to look at that and not be happy about it. Like I can't when you activate location services. You want to send diagnostics to Apple. You want to share this yeah. information with developers. You want to Oh my God. It's like <laughs> this is not a pleasing first experience with the iPhone. Like my Definitely my not. parents could not set an iPhone up. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Right. Right. So and, yeah. And especially like if you have a, a watch again, I don't want to push the same button again, but man, this is a new a new device that you have. Uh the first version, like so this with the launch of the iPhone 5 uh 6S, it's the first time well, I guess you could do it before, but it's the first time a lot of people with an Apple Watch are gonna uh, change phones, right? I guess you could if you buy a new phone, whatever. But a lot of people are going to do this on day one. I don't believe they have thought about it, really, because it, there's not even like there's not even even anywhere that they say you have to unpair it first. That's <laughs> like if I never, I I'm a nerd and I know about it and I kind of I knew the steps that I would have to do. But if someone that was not interested in this i mean just buy a new phone okay i want to put my watch there and i i guess they, they could open the apple watch app and it would just say like pair a new phone i there's no information on how to transition there's no information that you have to unpair it first and you're going to lose everything and then whatever so that was pretty bad that that they they sh they really definitely have to but like i can't understand like surely at apple there's hundreds and hundreds of people that have an apple watch have a current phone and that need to upgrade it like i priorities i don't I, know <laughs> yeah but it seems i have no idea baffling like they're they just introduced a new version of the the watch os like how was that not something that was considered like do you feel that apple they need more people they are desperately need more people i don't know i don't know i have no idea that just like Take some of the people that are working on your fancy car. <laughs> Make them work on your existing products, please. Yeah, I only say this, that they need more people, because I, I still feel that whenever Apple is working on something new, that their other products get a little bit neglected in a way. 
I still yeah. feel this. Yeah. Especially, I mean, yeah, with the iPhone when it came out, uh, the Mac. Uh, I mean, famously, uh, this was known that they moved a lot of people from the Mac team to work on the iPhone, so they have to they have to postpone the the launch of OS X and all that. So yeah, I feel like uh, Tim maybe got scarred by uh, everyone that was saying like, oh, Apple needs to introduce new product categories because otherwise they're doomed and blah, blah, blah. And now he's like, product categories? There you go. New watch, new t Apple TV, new phone. Uh, not new phone, new, um, new car, like whatever. Like every year we'll announce freaking new software platform. You happy now? Like it just seems like like do we really have need to have like so many different platforms for for Apple now? Yeah. I don't know. Huge year for Apple. Yeah. Past couple of years. I just wonder how can they top that now? Like are are they going to introduce like three other new platforms next year? I I've heard a rumor that the Apple Watch 2 um uh, is going to like be announced at the end of next year. Hmm. Uh, no, this is not a good source <laughs> at all. I heard this, and it made me think like uh, that would be awesome. You know, I would like that if if we still have to wait like a year or something to get a new watch. Yeah, and not just because I just bought this one. <laughs> oh, but not really. Uh, but you know, like easy. Uh, <laughs> especially the watch. Like you don't have that much competition. You don't. I'm gonna say I I actually I don't know, but at least I don't see it. it's 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 still a market in the very infancy. Is you still have a lot of uh, road to travel. So take it easy, man, and perfect your thing. Make things work flawlessly. Instead of working on a new watch, let's first work on <laughs> the transition to pair uh, <laughs> with a new yeah, phone. Exactly. Tim, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, whenever the new watch comes out, I'm probably gonna get it, because I feel like I'm, I've had this watch, well, no, sorry, I, I was gonna say, like, I've had this watch for, like, a year now, at least, like, I've had a good year out of it, so that's good, um, but, uh, not yet, but, um, they've announced it more than a year ago, so... I don't know if if they if they release it next year, then that's fine. I have mine since June, so not that long ago. You've had it since June. Uh, yeah, I bought it in June. Oh yeah, true. But Me too, yeah, it was nowhere near the launch. Yeah. All right. So that that's a long first episode. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Still not into uh, talk show territory, but <laughs> getting no. there. No. No. Uh, anyway, this was. We're, we're we're doing like test episodes for like one or two months. <laughs> it seems like forever now. Yeah. Um, we're, we're finally releasing this. So this was our first episode. So all of the feedback that you guys can give us is going to be gold for us because we're still very new at this. We're still we're not pros nor near. So every feedback is super valuable. So hey Kevin, where can people reach us? Um. So. If you have any feedback, just go to layout.fm um, and there's probably going to be a link there that uh, you can email us or or you can tweet us at layout.fm uh, on Twitter. So yeah. We hit the jackpot with the domains. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. The well, that's what that's great. What's great about the uh, .fm domain names is that they're more expensive than than most other domain names, so not a lot of people have them. Right. Right. And it's still fairly recent. Yeah. Yeah. That too. All right. So. Thanks, everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, I guess. Yep. <laughs> Bye. All right, dude. Bye.